So here's today's transformational truth. When tradition replaces truth, weary replaces rested. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Transformational Truths. Our special guest today is Mary Felde. Mary is a Bible teacher and missionary and has been since 1996. Her heart is to equip and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders in the solid foundation of the New Covenant message, which produces leaders who start well, stay well, and yes, finish well. Her book, Living the Better Covenant, is published in 10 languages, with six additional languages on the way. I mean, that's incredible. Mary has lived seven years in Asia, six years in Africa, started two Bible schools, and holds pastor and leadership seminars literally all over the world. She's presently living in Norway. When I tell you that Mary and I had a life-giving conversation, I mean, listen, this conversation was powerful. It was fruitful. Loved this conversation, and it is going to absolutely, I believe, enrich your life. Let's go ahead and jump in to this incredible interview. So here's today's transformational truth. When tradition replaces truth, weary replaces rested. So the vision of transformational truth is to eliminate the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. And today, we're going to do that in perhaps the most important way. We're going to address the foundational key to protecting your peace and to restoring your joy. The key to starting well, staying well, finishing well. Because if the foundation isn't right, then everything we build on it will be off. We'll spend all of our time trying to keep the machine of life and ministry running instead of, by faith, resting in God's faithfulness. And our lives will be marked by fatigue and frustration as we daily fight off this temptation to quit on our purpose and calling. And today, helping us unpack today's transformational truth is Mary Felden. Welcome, Mary. We're excited and honored to have you on today. Thank you. It's a joy and privilege to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. I have been reading your book. My wife has been reading your book. My goodness, your book is being translated over and over and over again in different languages. It's literally gone all over the world. And I have heard about you. I've heard about your ministry from mutual friends that couldn't say enough good things about you. And I said, you know what? After I got about halfway done with your book, I said, I've got to figure out how to get Mary on Transformational Truth. So I'm thrilled and honored that you're here. I know our audience is going to be super, super blessed. Uh, so listen, let's just go ahead and get started. I'm going to get started with the first question. Um, Mary, practically speaking, why is discovering and leading from what the Bible describes as the new covenant so important? I want to, I want to explain it in a very simple way by saying that when we understand the new covenant, we are understanding the gospel. Mm. If we are mixing the old and the new covenant, the, the gospel is being blurred. <laughs> so yeah. that is why it's extremely important yeah. to have the new covenant paradigm. And also when it says that 
Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save. And yes. in the same way, it says that we are new covenant ministers. We are mm. not here to condemn, but we are here to speak about salvation and what so Jesus good. So I think, um, uh, yes, I teach a lot about the new covenant, but really, what do I teach about? It's the gospel. Mm. Jesus, with his blood, established a new covenant, and we want to live there in what he has done for us. Mm. So, so good. And, and I also think that that's the message we have to give to the world. It's not a mix of the old and the new covenant. It's not a mix of our own performance and what Jesus has done. Our message is what Jesus has done. Mm. And the new covenant is established and all the privileges we have thereby. Mary, that is such, such an important point that I don't hear talked about much. And I'll be honest with you, my, my own encounter with the new covenant uh, that happened about three years ago. So I, I'm, I'm going into year, what, I think 19 of ministry. And it wasn't until three years ago. I had my own moment. I had my, my own encounter and it transformed my life and it impacted my marriage. It impacted my, my children, the, the church that I have the privilege of pastoring. Um, it was vital. But one of the things you never really hear much about is the very verse that you mentioned that as, as new covenant leaders, we're called, uh, to be ministers of a new covenant. The scripture, it literally gives us this mandate that the only covenant we should be ministering from is the new covenant. And that's a great segue into my second question. I mean, can you just take a moment and describe what it means to, to sort of mix the old and new covenants together? Um, you know, practically speaking, uh, what happens when we adopt this sort of, you know, I heard the phrase mid middle covenant, rather than living and leading just from the new? I think that the way I want to approach that question is to first just say a little bit about covenants. Yes. In the way that the Bible speaks about many covenants. And yes. if I bring up three of them that are, you know, God's journey of bringing us into the finished work of Christ, into salvation. <laughs> because the Bible, it's, it shows the journey that, Jesus, that God is taking. Mm. And then we know that the, the covenant with Abraham, which is called the covenant of promise, it's very clear. It says that in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right. But then Ephesians explains that and says that it is through the seed which is Christ. So it was not the family line of Abraham in general, but right. the family bring him to Christ. And mm. in Christ, the blessings are. So that means that the new covenant is a fulfillment of the covenant of promise for mm. to Abraham, for everybody, for us, for the Jews, for everybody. Wow. It's the same. But then Galatians says that but then the old covenant or the, the, the law and the covenant on, from Sinai was added. Mm. So it came after the covenant with Abraham. It came, it was added for a specific purpose and for a specific time and mm. for a specific people, which were, which were now the, the Jews that because Jesus would be born as a Jew. So therefore... Um, the, the old covenant had its place, 
it had its purpose. It was from God. It mm. was glorious, it says. Mm-hmm. But it ended when right. Christ came. Mm. Not when Christ come into our life individually today in uh, 2020 or 2010, but when Christ came 2,000 years ago. Right. When the old covenant ended, the law ended. So I think that when we are mixing these two, it's because we might think that the old covenant and the new covenant is somehow running in parallel. Mm. But the Bible says, for example, in, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, that when God brought a new covenant, he made the first obsolete. Yes. So it is old. Yes, <laughs> it yes. It is out of use. And I think that that is maybe the, the really the starting point of stopping to mix the two covenants. Mm. I still would like to say something about the consequences, but yes. I just wanted to add that first because if we don't see this, we will just continue to to mix. Absolutely, <laughs> no. At that, listen. Absolutely, I, um, without understanding the points that you just made, I was never able to consistently rightly divide the word of God. I just was not capable without that knowledge that you shared. When I came into the knowledge of the old and new covenants, I was then able to, with those tools and that that truth, rightly divide the word of God. And suddenly, Mary, the parts of scripture that appeared to have contradicted themselves did not anymore. Because, mm. because we live under a new covenant, Jesus had fulfilled the old covenant. To your point, the author of Hebrews um, calls you uses the word obsolete, which is yeah. it's a, which it's expired. It's it's no longer mm. we're, we're not called or or created or or anointed to minister from an old covenant. Uh, mm. Jesus fulfilled a new one. That's vital. That's a vital foundation. So what are so what are the consequences then of mixing the two? Yeah, I want to just uh, use an example, an illustration, because I hope. This can answer more than me making a long list yes. <laughs> because there are many consequences. But I just want to, to give an example because the way that I like to teach this is that the old covenant was like, uh, for example, if we speak about the blessings in, in, in Deuteronomy 28, it says that if you diligently obey all the commandments, mm. And then these blessings will come upon you because you obey. So Mm. meaning the focus is on us and our performance and us trying better, improving, being more diligent, having a better heart, all of these things. But the the common factor is that it's based on us. That's right. So I say that it is like building a platform on one side, which is based on our own work, our own effort, our own seal, etc., And when we feel it has reached a certain level, we can stand on top of that and we can pray like this. God, I pray that you bless me because of myself. Mm. Look what what I've done. That is the (laughs) performance-based religion, the work-based mentality. Um, and, And God knew that nobody would be able, even when he gave the law. That's why he gave the sacrifices at the same time. You know, there's a whole package there. Right. But if you think about that in our life, when we build that platform, the problem is that there will always be a crack. Mm. 
you will all never be good enough. And you know, if you have a crack in the concrete wall, maybe, you know, if we take some painting and we try to paint, paint over it, you mm -hmm. know, we still know that it's there. Right. So we can put a smile on our face, but we still know the challenges that are in our heart. Mm. And to minister, you know, with a smile on our face, but with a lack of confidence in our heart, it's very challenging. Mm. And that is why God, and it comes fear, shame, inferiority, comparison, all of these things. But then God did not want us to live in that way. So the new platform that he made in the new covenant, it is made by another one. Mm. It is made by Jesus Christ. Meaning that platform, that foundation is perfect. Wow. No cracks, no shame, nothing to be, feel inferior about. And what is the gospel? It is that we are invited to move from the platform called ourself to the foundation called Jesus Christ. And we place both our feet. We place our ministry, our family, all our life. We place it on the platform called Jesus Christ. And there we pray like this. Father, I thank you that you have blessed me because of Christ. Period. Yes, yes, yes. Period. Yes. That's the moment we are mixing two covenants because we put one foot on the old and one foot on the new, or we actually like build a third platform in between. And then we would stand on that platform and we would pray like this. Father, I pray that you bless me because of Jesus and a little bit because of myself. You <laughs> see, I tried. This year, I've, I've really tried. I tried to step up. I tried to be more serious. I put in more fasting and prayer. But right. the challenge is this. If what Jesus did is not enough, how much do we have to add for enough to be enough? Wow. <laughs> if what Jesus did was not enough, we are losing our assurance. We are losing our confidence. That's why, you know, when we talk about the consequences, they, they are so many because yeah. it comes from us thinking that what Jesus did was not enough and we have to add and i heard somebody who said it like this what jesus did was perfect so we don't even need to talk so much about that the problem is us are mm. we good enough on our side so that is what we have to focus on and i say no 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 we need to get our focus back on the perfect one and that is the platform we stand on live on raise our children on etc so incredible i think and i say this i i give a very simple uh, illustration also i say like this if i lay hands on the sick in mary felder's name based on what mary felder has done and who she is mm. and her titles there will be no miracles but if i lay my hands on the sick in jesus christ's name based on who he is and what he has done and that's the platform I stand on. That's the platform I trust in. Wow, it's very different. Wow, oh, wow. I think that's just the way I would no, answer. No, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's incredible. That's phenomenal. I think you addressed something that a lot of us as, as pastors and or leaders um, that genuinely care about the body of Christ have felt and faced, Mary. I remember the first time I... I was reading in my master's degree program um, a book by Richard Foster 
about the streams of uh, Christian influence and and he addressed the different streams, their strengths, and some of the the man-made pitfalls of them. And one of the things he addressed was in in what we call you know holy traditional holiness movements. Um, he said three of the first of all, it's you know holiness is simply Christ living His life through you. But the pitfall, the man-made pitfall, he listed three things. Mary, he said, um, perfectionism. Um, earning righteousness, works righteousness, um, and legalism. And when I read those words, I wept because I could relate. And that's just what you described. The, the cracks in my foundation, the, the, the perfectionism, the, the building on Travis's, you know, I'm here because of how good I pray. Um, I'm here because of how many days I fasted. Um, I'm here because I kept a good attitude, you know, for the last three days and look at how hard I tried. But to your point, you end up standing up, you end up ministering and leading uh, with the smile on your face, but you feel the cracks in your soul. Mm. And you're never sure, you're never yeah. sure. Am I perfect enough? Um, have I done enough for God to use me or work through me? Um, am I acceptable? How do I lead people if I don't even know if I'm yeah. acceptable enough? So I think you're speaking to the heart of of an issue that a lot of us have faced and felt um and it makes us weary and that's a great place to go to my my next question now i have such a burden mary as you do to share the good news of the new covenant i have such a desire to see people walk in the freedom of the gospel and sometimes when i share my heart regarding the new covenant one of the common you know questions I get or sometimes a misconception that I'll get is that I'm throwing aside the Old Testament as if it's not the Word of God that's one um, another misconception is that we're just focused on say Paul's words and ignoring Jesus's words <laughs> and in reality neither of these ideas are true could you speak to these misconceptions for a moment have you ever run into this and and can you just speak to that for a moment for those that might think yeah but what about when jesus said or are you you're just throwing away the old testament um have you run into that yes uh, i have and um and it's very good that you address it because um it is important that we know that and the bible is very clear also it says that all the scriptures are inspired by god yes. and they are useful they are yes. comfortable for us so all we of can them yes it, we can teach it. But for example, if I use the example with David in the Old Testament. Yes. David, what he did, you know, God boasts of him. He says that he's a good man. He's a man after my own heart. And he did some mistakes, major mistakes. Right. Wrong in the Old Covenant. And they are also wrong in the New Covenant. Right, right. So there's no difference in that. So we can learn from that. And we can also learn that because of the fear of the consequences, he hided his sins and it actually became worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. But when we know that we live after the cross, we don't need to hide and we can still solve things while they are small. Mm. Uh, that's one thing. But, but what we need to remember is this, I think it's very important, is that we can learn from David, but we must remember that we don't live in the same covenant as David. Wow. We Remember that we must remember that we live after the cross. Yes. So, because yes, the whole Bible is true, but God was working out a plan 
And that plan was not fulfilled when David lived. Right. So if we are teaching about David without putting in the cross of Jesus, mm. we are bringing people back to the life under the old covenant. Mm. And, and I also say like this, if the same thing that happened with David in the old covenant happens with us in the new covenant, is there no difference in, did the cross make no difference? Yeah, yeah. Or did, are we preaching a gospel? <laughs> are we preaching a gospel without the cross? Or are we preaching a gospel with a very small cross? <laughs> no, we need to preach a gospel with a big cross because it changed everything. Everything. And that makes us even more grateful mm. and, and loving Jesus more as we are reading the old covenant. And we mm. are now understanding that we have a new covenant. Mm. It even makes us appreciate what Jesus has done even more. That's yeah. the one side of it. Uh, the other side of it is also that Jesus in, in Luke 24 said on the road to Emmaus when he talked with his two disciples that it was written about him in the books of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets. So that's, that's also why we are reading the mm. Old Covenant. We are mm -hmm. seeing the salvation plan of God being, you know, worked out with Jesus as the, the finish line. <laughs> mm. But then we are also seeing the shadows in, of Jesus throughout the whole Bible. That's the one question you asked. Now, the second one yeah. about are we focusing on the words of Jesus so much that we are ignoring, sorry, are we focusing on the words of Paul so much that we are ignoring the words of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that one thing that's very, very important to understand is that while Jesus walked on this earth, the new covenant had not started yet. Mm -hmm. That's right. The new covenant did not start when Jesus was born, but <laughs> when he died, it's mm -hmm. the blood of Jesus is the blood of the new covenant. And Galatians 4, 4 says that Jesus was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of as sons. So Jesus was speaking to all the people that were under the law, and he wanted to bring them over to the new covenant. Right. But he did not explain everything yet because he even said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain this to you, that you have to eat my body and drink my blood, and you are leaving. You don't understand it. Right, and right. That's why Jesus said in, in John 16, verse 12 and 13, I still have much more to say to you, yep. but you can't bear it. Mm. But when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will explain everything. Mm. So I am thinking like this. I have a Bible right here now that has Jesus' words in red letter. But I think actually it's not presenting it well enough. If some people say that um, the gospel is the words of Jesus in red letter, then I would say, ah, 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 are we sure about that? Mm. Because some of the words of Jesus, he was speaking about the old covenant. That's right. He was. Mm -hmm. He even said, if your, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you have no, you have no chance. Right. So our self-righteousness has no chance. Right. But then we can receive God's righteousness as a gift. Mm. Jesus also said that uh, you shall only go to the, to the um, uh, lost sheep of Israel. 
Mm -hmm. Now that right. must be the old covenant. Right, absolutely. But then he also said, there will come a day. On that day, you will pray like this. On that day, the Holy Spirit will come. Now mm. he's speaking about the new covenant. Right. So the red letters of Jesus are continuing into the, the letters of Paul. The mm. letters of Peter. You know, it, it's continuing. Right. Because he had more to say than what he could say while he was walking on the earth. Mm -hmm. well, that yeah. was a long answer, but you know I'm a Bible teacher. <laughs> no, that was a beautiful answer. Um, I think for me, unpacking uh, my own process of discovering the new covenant and learning the difference between the old and the new and, and studying the covenants of Scripture, part of that process for me was understanding the context of the audience of Christ. I mean, he was speaking to people who would essentially, Mary, um, watered down the law so much that they felt like they were keeping it, that they felt yeah. like they they had quite frankly achieved righteousness through their keeping of the law. And many of Jesus' statements were to push the law back up to its pristine standard, was to show them, no, yeah. you this is the standard. Um, and so many of Jesus' statements was to accomplish, to your point, uh, no, you think you've earned self-righteousness because you can keep the law, but let me show you my standard of the law. Ooh. My standard of the law, you think because you haven't committed adultery that you're fine, but I'm telling you if you've thought about it, you've broken the law. Jesus was constantly pushing the law back up. Why? To point us to grace, to point us to the finished work of Jesus. And um, when I came to that understanding, it helped me to understand what Christ was trying, what Christ was accomplishing uh, when I when I read those words. So so for our listeners, um, no, no, we're not throwing away the words of Jesus. We're not walking past them. Uh, in fact, we value them incredibly. Um, they help us understand our need for this new covenant as we read it, yeah. uh, because those six hundred and thirteen laws, none of us, not one of us, are capable of achieving righteousness through keeping of the law. Um, no, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, I have a question. You, you spent a lot of time, Mary, hosting conferences, ministry conferences, pastors conferences, ministry leader conferences. Uh, I am six chapters into your book, Living the Better Covenant. Fantastic read. I, I want to encourage all of our listeners to grab a copy. You spend a lot of time unpacking uh, the truth that, that for those that place their faith in Jesus, they are righteous. You spent a lot of time unpacking that truth, and you're very intentional. Uh, you also say that that when you teach this point in your seminars, sometimes you get some pushback. You get some some people I, that I'm not sure about. How can you say I'm righteous? Why why is this idea of us being righteous after our faith in Jesus so hard to accept sometimes? Oh, you know, this is a very good question. Um, because you are asking, why is it hard to accept? Uh, we could also say, is it hard to understand the mm. teaching of righteousness? Let me just say one word on that first. Because uh, why do, when I do pastor seminars, leader seminars, I almost always start with the teaching of righteousness. Yeah. Before I enter into more about the new covenant or more about the gospel of grace, before I, or, or how grace works in our life, before I go into that, I start with righteousness because it is so clear in the Bible and it is actually very easy to understand. 
And it speaks like in Romans 10, verse 1 to 4, it speaks about the two different kinds of righteousness. Yep. And that the Jews being ignorant or not knowing about God's righteousness, they were seeking to establish their own righteousness. Mm. And they had not submitted under the righteousness of God or accepted that the righteousness of God is a gift. You know, so, so um, it is very clear in the Bible. And at that point, you know, when I start to say that people are righteous, they object. But when I show them the scriptures about the two kinds of righteousness and that we are righteous by faith, they are very happy. Mm. There is no objection. They are very happy. They are very grateful because it, it's a relief. They can right. recognize themselves in the struggle of self-righteousness that you are trying to improve it and it goes quite well, but then something happened and it <laughs> goes right. It's like going back to zero. Right. And then you try to build it again and it goes well for a while and then something happened, it goes back again. And every time it goes back, you know, you lose your confidence. So they can mm. relate to this. So at that point, they are accepting it and they are they are understanding it. But then when we start to go further into what does this mean that we are righteous? Because it goes deep into even the assurance of salvation. It goes deep into many different areas. Now, it is like, can this really be true? It seems too good to be true. Yeah, right. And that is where we have to choose. Do we really accept the gospel, this wonderful truth of the gospel, or is it too good to be true? Mm. Let me give an example. In Romans chapter uh, 5, verse 19, it is one of the scriptures that really, every time I teach it, I'm like, oh my Lord, can this really be true? And then I know that it's true. It says that because of one man's disobedience, we were made sinners. And because of one man's obedience, we are made righteous. Hmm. So because of Jesus' obedience, we are made righteous. But then what about our own obedience? It is not mentioned. Wow. Wow. And that is almost like it's too good to be true. But I hmm. thought I was righteous because of my own obedience. I thought I was blessed because of my own obedience. And now it is because of Jesus' obedience. Is this really the gospel? Hmm. Can you see? <laughs> uh, so I think that is why, you know, to really accept it and to start believing it and living accordingly. Oh my, it brings so much joy. But it is a choice mm. that we have to believe in what the word says because it is so different than religious mindset. Yeah, yeah. And we are so used to religious mindset. Yeah. And if we are not careful about rightly dividing the word of God, just yeah. like you said, we are reading some of the old covenant verses right into the new covenant. Yeah. And we mm. are misunderstanding. And that is also one of the reasons, I think. So, so good. Um, but, but, but Mary, um, I can just imagine, uh, you know, but Mary, you, how can we say that? How can we say that? Our righteousness is because of Jesus's obedience and not ours. But because if you say that, people are going to go crazy. They're going to live however, however crazy they want to live. And, and, and you can't say that because people are going to do whatever they want to do. What would you say to the person who says, don't say that? And, and they become paralyzed by fear that if you say that, then people are going to just 
live in a way that is 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 contrary to righteousness how would you answer that there are two two sides of this the first side is that i have seen both when it comes to righteousness but also when i start to teach about grace that we yeah. are under grace and we are not under the law yeah these questions about can we lose our salvation comes up mm. so i I really respect people when they are nervous about the teaching in the way that yeah, they are yeah. nervous. Can, if I teach like this, can it lead people that they will lose salvation? Mm. That is why even in my book, I have to address what is the grounds of salvation? Mm. And what are the grounds for keeping our salvation and coming to heaven? I have three chapters where I'm addressing that because this is where most of the questions come related to salvation. Mm. Now, when we have answered them and we are confident about that, then it is easier to go back and continue talking about righteousness mm. because now they're, they're answered and, and even to continue talking about grace because now we can know that we are saved because of what Jesus has done. We are saved by faith in Jesus and we are standing on the perfect platform called Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That pla platform is safe all the way to heaven. But that's only half of the gospel. The other half of the gospel is that while we are standing on Jesus' finished work and Jesus' foundation, at the same time, we are born again and Christ comes to live in us. Here comes mm. obedience. Mm. Here comes a changed life. Yes. Not as an outward requirement and fair involved, you know, performance. Right. But an inward enablement because of the awareness of a new life and the awareness of the Holy Spirit transforming us. Mm. So I think that's very, and, and what, I what I very often stress is this. It is important that we separate and understand that there is a difference between the foundation and the fruit. Oh, that's good. Because if we mix them, oh my, there come so many different doctrines out of that. Oh, we yes. need to know that what Jesus has done is enough for yes. our salvation, our yes. blessings, our healings, even the anointing. <laughs> yes. The, the miracles, what that's Jesus right. has done is that's enough. Right. That's right. But at the same time, Jesus lives in us, and here comes the fruit. Here comes the transformation. Uh, and I have this saying, by the way, I say, let us not try to work the gospel, but let us allow the gospel to do the work. Yes. As we are preaching the gospel, who people are in Christ, who they are in the new creation, you know, the transformation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Visible, the fruit become visible. But we can never say that people come to heaven based on their level of fruit. Uh, so good. These are. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, yeah. Mary, I have spent, um, you know, I'm 18 years in ministry. I've spent, I spent 15 years uh, in ministry before I understood the new covenant and, and the covenants of God, how God relates to people. Um, 
And I would say before that, my preaching, I spent, because of my own uncertainty and misunderstanding, I, I spent a lot of t time trying to make people afraid and uh, trying to, uh, you know, make them afraid to make a mistake, make them afraid. Because if I make them afraid, if I make them afraid enough, they'll live right. And here's what I discovered. The only thing I was doing was making uh, better pretenders. All I was doing was, was people were learning how to hide their struggle or their failure and pretend. Uh, but deep down inside, they were still wrestling. What I've discovered with the New Covenant is that it enables people to come to the throne of grace boldly. Yes. Here's, yes. here's my struggle. Here's my weakness. Here's my failure. And I know when I get here, I'm going to find grace and mercy. And I know my father's not going to condemn me. He's going to heal me and help me. And when I approach the father, I don't have to fear punishment. I only anticipate freedom. Yes. And I think when that when I began to change my preaching, Mary, when I started telling people who they are in Christ, when I started speaking to their new identity in Christ, I have seen in three years more life transformation, more more uh, freedom from old struggles, uh, bondages than than in the previous fifteen years. It's Mary. It's not even close. It's not even close. I see people walking in more freedom. This this concept of that's a fear based concept that I think the enemy, mm. quite frankly, works very hard to, to convince us of. Mm. That it's our job to transform lives. No, it's the Holy Spirit. It's our yeah. job to speak to yeah. their new identity in Christ, to yeah. speak to who they are, not who they used to be. Yeah. And um, I've seen more life change. I've seen more transformation, Mary. I've seen more impactful ministry in the last three years than I did in the previous 15. Um, mm -hmm. And so I say that to all of all of our leaders and pastors, ministry leaders specifically, uh, this gospel, this message, the, the finished work of Jesus, it is the power of God unto salvation and everything else. It's 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 it is it catches everything. It's life transforming. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I want to thank you for being true to the message and for declaring with boldness. I have a I have a final question uh, for, for our leaders and pastors listening, Mary. What word of encouragement would you offer to them, uh, believers out there listening to this who might be struggling with feelings of never being enough or never being acceptable enough to God the Father? What, what, what could you say to encourage them today? You know, when you ask that question, there are, there are many things that come up, but let me let me say two things um, the first one is that i think we must understand god's unconditional love mm. that god loves us no matter what that's right and it says in john 14 verse 16 it says jesus says i will pray to the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever ever sometimes we think it like this he will abide with us until the next time we sin then he will leave and then when we repent he come back right or if he don't leave at least he becomes silent yeah, and after yeah. You know, we have repented now he starts speaking again oh but yeah you know, no he's a faithful friend mm. he stays with us in our you know just like a marriage there is a promise Will you stay with this person and love this person and be faithful with this person in good and bad days? Mm. I used to think like this. It is when the circumstances are good or the circumstances are bad. But then one day the Lord showed me, no, it is even in the days when I am good or in the days when I am bad. 
Mm. He's still the same faithful. He still loved me the same. And God had to really, in a way, shake me to really make me understand what unconditional love is. So this is the first year I was a missionary in the Philippines. This is 25 years ago. I was still struggling with understanding unconditional love. And then it was like he told me that even if I stop being a missionary, quit being in the ministry, travels back to Norway and sit on a coach the rest of my life, he will still love me the same. Mm. And in my head, it was like, no, 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 that's not possible. Of course, he will love me more if I'm a missionary, if I do a lot of things for him. But when I landed on, no, even if I quit the ministry, even if I do nothing, he still loves me the same. Wow. Then something happened in my heart. Wow. And I understood that God is not here evaluating me to see if I'm doing well enough in the ministry. And if I'm not doing well enough, he has to change me with another one because the work (laughs) must go on. No, maybe sometimes we can feel leaders are like that, but God is not like that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He is rather, he's standing on our side, helping us to develop everything that he has put in us. Mm. So I think that finding that rest and that security in God's unconditional love Mm. that's the one thing that really majorly changed my life. Mm. And then another one, I want to give one more scripture. Oh, you know, I love the Bible. I would love to give a lot of scriptures, but I have selected one out of many. (laughs) (laughs) And that is in Hebrews chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 10. Actually, there are two scriptures. I have to read two, verse 12 and also verse um, let me see here. Verse 12 and verse 19. Yeah. So it says there in verse 12, but this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. Mm. This is our faith. This is the Christian faith. It is that we believe in his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's the core of the Christian right. faith. It is not right. our performance. Right. It, is not a, it is the faith in what he has done. And then it says in verse 19, therefore, after he has explained the new covenant, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest place. Wow, the very holiest place. Mm. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. What does it mean? Not by our own blood, but by <laughs> his blood. Yes. Not by our own sacrifices, but by his sacrifice. Yes, that's right. Not by our own self-righteousness, but by his self-righteousness. Not by our own obedience, but by Jesus' obedience. Mm. We have to put both our two feet on that platform called Jesus Christ. Yes. And this is what we talked about even wrapping up, you know, the first question where it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, by the grace of God, Paul says, by the grace of God, I have laid a foundation and everybody see how they build on top of that. But no one can lay another foundation than the one which is laid, laid which mm. is Christ. Not Christ plus us. Yes. Not the middle platform. That's where the struggle is. There's no assurance. Mm. We put both our feet on the platform called Christ. 
From there we pray, from there we worship, from there we live our life, from there we lay hands on the sick, from there we have confidence, from there we come to the throne of grace, as you said. We live our life on that platform. Amen. Amen. Wow. Let me recap today's transformational truth. When tradition replaces truth, weary replaces rested. Mary, fantastic interview. Where can people find you? I have a website, uh, ncresources.org, mm. and um, that's the mission ministry, New Covenant Resources. And then I also have a newly started uh, YouTube channel called Mary Felder Living the Better Covenant, where I have put out some of, some of the teachings from the pastor seminars. Wonderful, wonderful, and then incredible. also the book can be found. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, if you'd like to connect with Mary, and I highly recommend you do, please check out the links that we've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful you do, please do me a favor, take a moment, go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership. Mary, thank you for being with us today. It was a fantastic conversation. 